Welcome to Kevin Connors Podcast. This series is on the Tabernacle of Moses, which is the topic of one of the first books that Kevin Connor wrote about. Visit kevinconnor.org for more details. Okay, wonderful. That's uh, they're wonderful testimonies, and that's our review tonight. All right, so now we're going to go to the next article of furniture, which you've got your notes on there tonight, and appreciate the uh, lights being out here. So we're looking at uh, not winning in life, but the Christian life illustrated in the tabernacle of Moses, okay? All right, now, let's uh, just say it together, just, uh, uh, just reaffirm here. The first article of furniture that we looked at last week was called the brazen altar, okay? And the one we're going to look at tonight is the brazen laver. And then we're going to go to the golden candlestick or the lampstand to be uh, more exacting. So we're going to look at this article of furniture uh, in, in this session here tonight. And I hope uh, you'll be just as excited as, uh, as you all were with last week. And uh, we can't always get exact, uh, exact diagrams of it. You've got a diagram on the back of your notes there, but uh, something like this... Uh, uh, on any of these articles of furniture, no, no one can get an exact thing, but that's the general idea. All right, now, as we looked at last week, uh, we begin with the brazen altar. So uh, w- when God gave the instructions on the tabernacle of Moses, he, he uh, began with the Ark of the Covenant. He began uh, with his own throne and God coming out to man. We're just doing it the opposite way of man's approach to God. So the first thing is the brazen altar, sacrificial blood. For 1,500 years... Uh, Israel had to face that. There was no way of sneaking under the court uh, curtains around here or sneaking through the gate or any other way. There was no way of approach to God except by way of the brazen altar and that sacrificial blood, uh, the body and blood of, a, uh, of an innocent victim. Now, the next thing we're going to look at, and, and I, I, I sense that you're ex- as excited as I am about it, uh, this article mainly has to do with water. So I want you to sort of keep that theme in mind, and it's just amazing. It's all, even though you know, I haven't taught this for 30 years, uh, I'm still just as excited about it. So as, as Israel approaches God here, it's first blood and then water. So everybody say with me, blood and water, blood and water. So blood and water. So that's what we're lo- looking at uh, in this session tonight. Okay, now I'd like us to, to uh, go to two scriptures here tonight. So this is the second article. So we have to sort of, you know, uh, superimpose our thinking way back uh, on the nation of Israel. 1,500 years, the only way of approach to God was first through the blood uh, and then through the water. Blood and water, blood and water. So let's turn to uh, our fourfold approach here. Uh, Letter A, revelation, and then letter B, construction. And then we're going to uh, go to C, interpretation, and then to uh, D, application. And I'm just thrilled to hear the testimonies tonight of the application to your own heart through the week. So it's not just head knowledge. All right, Exodus chapter 30, and uh, this is under letter A. So as we mentioned last week, all the furniture, everything, nothing was left to the mind or the imagination of Moses. Everything was according to the mind of God. So that's why, you know, as I said last week, I get a little bit agitated sometimes when I hear preachers say, well, it's Old Testament stuff. We don't need that. You know, that's all obsolete. It's all nailed to the cross. Uh, as I said, it's a master key. And as you've said tonight, master key to understanding the New Testament. So all the New Testament writers, uh, let me say this while it comes to my mind, uh, they, they lived what I call at the sort of overlapping of dispensations. They lived that side of the cross, 
and then through the, under the old covenant, and then through the cross they came into the new covenant. But even though they're new covenant believers, because they have been under the law and under these things for centuries, uh, the new covenant writers use old covenant language to describe new covenant realities, but they pass everything through the cross. So let me say that again because that's a master key of interpreting the word. So uh, the, the new covenant writers, they lived at the overlapping of dispensations. They were that side of the cross under the old covenant and then they came through, through Jesus and the new covenant to this, uh, this side of the cross and the new covenant. But though they are new covenant believers, they use old covenant language to describe new covenant realities, but they pass everything through the cross. The cross is the key. Pass it to the cross, and as we saw last week, all that which was uh, external and temporal is abolished at the cross, but the knowledge and truth that is in the cross passes through the cross into a more spiritual realm. And so as you read the New Testament, and I'm, I'm blessed to hear those testimonies, you just say, wow, there it is, uh, because it's a master key. All right, so uh, Exodus chapter 30 and verse 17, and I'm reading from New King James here. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You shall also make a laver of bronze. So whether we say a brazen laver or bronze, uh, same thing. With its base also of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of the meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it. For Aaron and for his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. When? When they go into the tabernacle of meeting, or when? They come near the altar to minister, to burn an offering made by fire to the Lord. They shall wash with water, lest they die. So shall they wash their hands and their feet, lest they die. And it shall be a statue forever to them, to him and his descendants throughout all their generations. So, uh, you know, because I've studied this over the years, my, my mind is saturated with these things. So when I come to the house of the Lord, like we generally come Saturday night, the first service, and uh, today I've been studying all day for the night, uh, I just, I go through these things, Lord. You know, may I be cleansed in the blood of Jesus. May my hands be clean. So as I lift up my hands, my feet, my walk, that's what we're looking at. Uh, and so serious it was that if they entered the, uh, the sanctuary without the blood and without the water, they would die. And there are churches today, sorry to say, who are spiritually dead because they just come into the house of the Lord and they have an hour of worship and the only place the Holy Spirit gets in is at the benediction. Praise Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How many know that's the wrong end of the meeting to let him in? He likes to get in right from the start. And they wonder why there's death spiritually because they haven't been fulfilling the truth of what we're looking at tonight. Let's go to uh, one other verse here. Levitic, uh, Exodus chapter 38, this is under construction, and uh, this verse just supplies us something else here, so uh, Exodus 38, and uh, just one verse here, verse 8, and it says, and I'm reading from uh, New King James again, and he made the laver of bronze and its base of bronze from the bronze mirrors of the serving women... So women were involved in, in the tabernacle, the serving women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. All right, so 
the revelation, as we said uh, last week, nothing was left to the mind or the imagination of Moses. God gave him all the details, all the particulars, uh, all those uh, little particulars that uh, so often are boring to our Western mind. Nothing was left to his imagination. So as we got on the notes there, it was given by revelation to Moses in Mount Sinai, not of the mind of man, but of God. And so we had the labor and its foot. And uh, what's the best way to do that? Oh, it was made out of brazen uh, mirrors or the looking glasses of the women who assembled there, the serving women. Uh, there were women who served in the tabernacle. Let's go to letter C now. Definition or interpretation. Definition of labor. Uh, simply a washing vessel. Uh, don't take this bad, but we, we, we sort of use it a lavatory. A lavatory. It's a water receptacle for a particular purpose. So that's where we get labor. Lavatory or labor, in this case, not lavatory, this one wasn't. Okay, so washing, a washing vessel, basin or bowl for water that cleanses. It was a vessel in the tabernacle of Moses for the priest to wash therein. A vessel in the temple of Solomon for the sacrifices to be washed therein. In fact, if you want to make a note of this, there were actually ten lavers in the temple of Solomon, ten. And they were in the outer court too. All right, now very briefly on this part. Number one is material. All right, letter A, it was made of brass or bronze. And what did we say was this, uh, brass is the symbol of last week? All right, so brass is the symbol of judgment against sin. So we can think of scriptures that God said to Israel, if you disobey my word, then the heavens over you will be as brass. When John sees Jesus standing in the midst of these seven churches, his feet are like as if they burned in a furnace, bronze, brass. Uh, and so many scriptures that speak of are brass being the symbol of judgment against sin. Or self, uh, let's put that there as well. We, if we want to be a little bit more particular, we'd say the brazen altar is judgment, uh, uh, the judgment of God against sin, but the brazen laver is judgment of self. So one, the blood is for sin, the water is for self. And we'll see that as we continue uh, tonight. So judgment against sin and self. So the blood against sin and water against self, washing of water. All right, now the, the, the mirrors, uh, they are a reflection of oneself. Uh, I have an illustration here I'm going to use in a moment. I have a mirror here, mirror, mirror on the wall, who is fairest of us all. So uh, yeah, so, uh, so there's some purpose that all the ladies who love to spend hours looking in the mirror... I mean, I mean. I'm only going by my wife. I say, what are you doing, darling? Just looking, just looking. <laughs> just hours. Oh. So, so, so God asked the women to sacrifice the thing they loved looking in the most. Yeah. All right, so uh, uh, the mirror is the symbol of reflection. We'll come to a scripture on that in a moment. All right, number two, it's position, uh, found in Exodus chapter 40 and verse 7 and verse 30. It was set in the tabernacle between the tent of the meeting and between the altar. I think I may have left that up here. Oh, no, anyway, so, uh, yeah, I just need to put that there. So just, just to make sure the position is right there. So God was very particular about where he had his furniture put. That's, that's the thing. 
I don't know what I did with that. Anyway, you understand. So, so first the blood, the brazen altar, and then the brazen laver between the tent door, the tent of meeting, and between the brazen altar. So the message was, no approach to God in the holiest of all, the most holy place, except through blood and water, blood and water. So uh, that's the position. All right, number three, uh, I've already read this scripture to you. Letter A, the hands... So Aaron and his sons, as we read in the scripture, shall wash therein their hands and their feet. Let me say it here, though we'll reinforce it later on in application. The hands are symbolic of our service. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands, outwardly, and a pure heart inwardly. So our heart must correspond with our hands or our hands must correspond with our heart. So they had to wash their hands. So the hands are symbol, symbolic of service to the Lord. Uh, and then letter, letter B, they had to wash their feet. And so the feet are symbolic of our walk before the Lord. So uh, 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 clean hands in our service and clean feet. Uh, we'll see this in a moment. So notice I, I'll put on my notes here the three important things. So important was this, uh, uh, you know, no you saying, well, I've been to the altar and I've had the blood. No, you've got to have the water here. And so the Lord said, number one, when they went into the tabernacle, so the sanctuary into the tabernacle, Lord, in other words, before they came to the table of showbread or the golden altar of incense, or into the most holy place. Before they came into his presence, there must be the cleansing of the blood and of the water. So, number one, when they went into the tabernacle. Two, or when they ministered at the brazen altar in offering sacrifices. And so, we offer spiritual sacrifice, sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving and so forth. And what was the purpose of it? That they died not. So serious, so serious was it in the sight of God that they could have died if they disobeyed the Lord. They could say, well, I've had the blood. No, the Lord said blood and water, blood and water. All right, now let's go to the most important part. So that's just a very brief description and interpretation of the article itself. Now let's go to uh, letter D, to application. Now I'd like you to turn over. So first of all, we're going to look, at, uh, look how we can apply it, first of all, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then number two, how it applies to us as Christians. So I'd like you to go over to uh, an amazing verse in John's Gospel. Everybody doing okay? Yeah. All right, John's Gospel. And I, I, I was really blessed to hear the testimonies tonight because as, you, as, as we all read the Bible again, it's, it's going to be a fresh light on it. Say, so, wow, I'm reading it through. Something that God gave Israel for 1,500 years. All right, uh, John chapter 19. And uh, hold that and also turn over to a corresponding scripture in John, uh, John, 1 John, little John. So John, John's Gospel and then 1 John chapter 5. You've got the scriptures on your notes there. So now we're looking at the fulfillment of this article of furniture, first of all, in Christ, because He's the tabernacle, the Word was made flesh and tabernacle among us, and we beheld His glory. So now we're seeing how every article of furniture is, first of all, fulfilled in Christ. All right, so in John chapter 19... And verse 34 and 35, Jesus is on the cross and they're wanting to hasten the, the death of, of the uh, crucified. Uh, let's go to verse 31 to lead into it. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation, 
uh, preparation day, that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. For that Sabbath day, it was a high day, and just uh, off the cuff here. You see, this is where a lot of people get mixed up on the uh, 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 Roman tradition of Good Friday. There's no such thing as Good Friday. Uh, there was uh, a Good Wednesday. You see, in the Passover week, there were two Sabbaths. There was the, uh, this Sabbath here, as it says. Uh, for that Sabbath was a high day. It was a, a festival day, holy day. Then there was the weekly Sabbath. So there were two Sabbaths in the Passover week. So Christ was not crucified on traditional Good Friday. He was crucified on Wednesday. And then from Wednesday uh, to three days and three nights, then it brings you to the resurrection. Anyway, that's by the way. So for that, that Sabbath day was a high day. They besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and broke the legs of the first and the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they broke not his legs. And let me throw this on on the way. You know, all those intricate details back in the Old Testament, like when God gave the instructions about the Passover lamb, he told all the children of Israel, not a bone of the lamb was to be broken. And for 1,500 years, when they had the feast of Passover and they ate the Passover lamb, not a bone of the lamb was broken. And here these three were on the cross. They broke the legs of the two crucified thieves and they're about, about to break the legs of the, of the lamb of God. And it's like God said, just hold it up, boys. I got a scripture back here. I said, not a bone of my lamb is to be broken. And you see, the custom was, and I never did this when I was on a farm, but for disobedient sheep, when they're always breaking through the fence, uh, the, the shepherd would often break the leg of, of the sheep because the other sheep would follow them. So the sheep with the broken leg, and so it was symbolic that man had broken the commandments and broken the word of God, but Jesus was the lamb of God. He never broke any of God's commandments. And so God said, not a, a bone is to be broken. And so uh, what did they do? Now, here's, here's the miracle. And I want you to see the miracle in this, verse 34. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with, with a spear, pierced his side, and forthwith came there out, say it with me, blood and water. Um, some of the other translations I, I looked at, uh, let's see if I can just put my hand on those translations here. Um, just uh, another word here it uses. Um, yeah, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. Now remember, he's a crucified man. He's been on the cross about six hours and usually the blood congeals and everything like that. In fact, some of the doctors say that Jesus literally died of a broken heart because of the water that accumulates around the heart uh, in extreme agony. But, but there's something more than that. So uh, uh, instead, another translation says, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. And then John goes on to say, showing how impressed he was with this, um, and he that saw it bear record, and his record is true, and he knows, uh, and he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may believe. Believe what? So just think now, for 1,500 years, Israel has been approaching God in the most holy place through blood and water, blood and water, sacrificial animal blood, ceremonial water, washing of water, washing of the water, 1,500 years. 
And now because Jesus is the tabernacle and the fulfillment of it, as they pierce his side, some miracle takes place because when they pierce his side, instead of breaking his bones, uh, fulfilling the, 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 the law of the Passover, not a bone was to be broken, now they fulfill the tabernacle and forthwith flow, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. And when the blood and water flowed from his side, that was a miracle in itself, when the blood and water flowed from his side, it brought an end to all sacrificial animal blood. That's worth a hallelujah. Yeah. And it finished off ceremonial washings of water. Ceremonial. So blood and water, blood and water, blood and water. And he that saw it, because John was at the cross, the only apostle that was, along with the women there, he that saw it, he saw it. And he said, I'm telling you the truth. That when I saw that, I bear record. And my record is, record is true. And I'm telling you the truth so that you may believe. Believe what? Believe what I'm telling you tonight. That the blood of Jesus forever abolishes animal blood. And the water that flowed from his side forever abolishes ceremonial washings. That's worth a hallelujah. Yeah. Wow. Now, just to, and I know some of the, uh, turn over to 1 John chapter 5. And I know some... Some translations, some scriptures say, well, this is not in the original, this is not in some manuscripts. Well, it's in my manuscript, and, and it harmonizes with the rest of the word, so I don't toss this out. You might see in some of you, it depends on your translation, so this is not in the original, you know, it's been put there. It's in harmony with the word. Thank you, Kevin, I sort of feel you mean that. Yeah, I do. First John chapter 5, listen to it. This is he, and it's the same John who wrote the Gospel of John. That's why I'm, I, I believe it more. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it's the Spirit that bears witness because the Spirit is truth. So similar to that. Forth we've came blood and water, and I'm telling you the truth. I bear record. And then he goes on, on the controversial verses, but they're in harmony with the... Biblical revelation. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which is testified of His Son. He that believes on the Son of God has the witness in Himself. Hallelujah. Uh, let me just say this and just pick up the seed thought. It's a whole hour session itself. You see, when it comes to the dispensations of time, we have the dispensation of the Father, 2,000 years, Adam to Abraham. Then we have the dispensation of the Son, Isaac, the only begotten Son of the Old Testament, to Jesus, the only begotten Son of the New Testament. And then we, we are all living now in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit from early reign to latter reign. That's superimposing... Father, Son, Holy Spirit on the dispensations of time. But now he comes, there's not only three witnesses in heaven, there's three in earth. And the witness of, I'm going to put them in our order, the blood, the water, and the spirit. And he that believeth has the witness in himself. How many have been washed in the blood of Jesus, cleansing the blood of Jesus here? Well, some of you haven't. Let's have an altar call right here. Okay. <laughs> If you've been cleansed in the blood of Jesus, you have the witness of the blood. Uh, yeah, I don't know any, any, 
ex-salvos here. We used to sing it. The spirit answers to the blood and tells me I am born of God. So I have the witness of the blood right in here. The blood of Jesus cleanses. Amen? But how many have been water baptized? Should I say how many have not? If you haven't been water baptized, you haven't got the second witness. How many have been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Speak with tongues. See, the third witness. He that believeth should have the witness of the blood, been washed in the blood, witness of water, baptized in water, filled with the Holy Spirit. The inner three witness, and he that believeth has a perfect testimony because in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. That's why God himself has to be three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. So, as I said, there was something significant in the piercing of Jesus by that spear. For 1,500 years, blood and water, blood and water. And Jesus said in Zechariah prophecy, they shall look on me whom they have pierced. So, as a, back to your notes here, the cross, the miracle, and the blood and water from his pierced side, the only two means of cleansing in Old Testament times and in New Testament times. So, Old Testament times, animal blood, ceremonial water, New Testament times, we always have the cleansing of the blood of Jesus and the washing of water by the word. Everybody said amen on that? All right, now let's move uh, to, uh, quickly to this one. You're doing okay? All right, now to Christians. And this is the main thing uh, that's just so overwhelming. Now, under, under, under the two bullets I have, we have first of all the mirror of the word. And then uh, second bullet, we have the water of the word. Now, how many have ever been, uh, oh, let's turn uh, while I'm talking here, turn, turn over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. So, in this point here, we find as we look at this scripture here, James chapter 1, that, that the word is likened to a mirror and the word is also likened to water. So, we've got the mirror of the word and the water of the word. Let me read the scripture at the moment. Uh, James chapter 1 and verse 20. Uh, let's pick up in 21 to lead into it. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, New King James, and, read, and receive with meekness the engrafted or the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone, uh, if, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. So the women brought all their mirrors, what they used to look at themselves in, and so bring the mirrors. And now as they came to the laver, and as the priest came to the laver, there was a double thought. They would look into the water... And yet the, they would also see the mirrors because the, the bronze layer was made out of the mirrors. So mirror and water, there's that, that thought there. So if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a do, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Okay, now, I, I have a mirror here. So, uh, let's see if I can. <laughs> How many have ever lit a fire with, you know? So, uh, on this side of the mirror, 
It enlarges me. How many have ever been to those uh, down Lunar Park, Silly Park and that, and you, you walk by these mirrors and you're so fat and you think, oh, that's ugly, and you go over the one and the other one says, so, you're so thin, you have to run around the shower to get wet, uh, and then you're so tall. Hey, the, the mirror of God's word is not like that. They are magic mirrors, deceptive mirrors. The mirror of God's word tells you what you are. So as I look in this mirror, I see what I am. Larger nose than other people because air is free. Um, <laughs> graying eyebrows. Few little whiskers trying to struggle through. No, my wife plucks them generally <laughs> with tweezers. Mm, getting old and wrinkled there. So now I can look into the mirror and I can look into the mirror of the word and it tells me exactly what I am. There's no deception in it. But that's not enough. The second thing, because the, 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 the labors are made out of the mirrors, so the, the word of God is like a mirror. I look into the mirror tells me what I am. I don't want to go away and forget. I'm, I'm going to forget all those wrinkles and those freckles and whatever. I'm looking pretty good. You know. But then they were to look into the water. Now, this isn't a very good one here. But how many have ever looked into... Oh, turn over this scripture here. Proverbs chapter 27. This is not on your notes, this one. Proverbs chapter... I'm sorry, Proverbs, what did I say? Uh, Proverbs 27. Uh, this is an interesting scripture. Proverbs 27, where's Proverbs? Uh, yeah, Proverbs 27, and why don't you put this uh, scripture down? And verse uh, 19, okay, you got that? Proverbs 27 and verse 19, and listen to what it says. I'll read old authorities and then new one. As in water face answers to face, so the heart of man to man. Uh, New King James puts it, as in water face reflects face, so a man's, man's heart reveals the man. And then what other uh, translation do I have? have? As in water face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects man. So how many have uh, looked into water at times and say, wow, there's a reflection of my face there. How many of that? Now that's not as good a reflection or image as this is. But it gives you the idea. And so as in water... Face answers the face. Oh, that's me. That's me there. Look at me. Wow. Now, I can... What do you call this? HQO? What's the big word? Eh? H2O. Oh, I knew it was something back in the dark ages where I come from. Uh, yeah. Now, I can look at this water all day long. Night when I was younger, and you were guilty of this. You get up in the morning... And your mum and dad tells you, go and get a wash. And you go to the water and you fill up the basin with water and you just look at it. Oh, it is so cold. Now, you can look at that water all day long. It'll never cleanse you. This H2O, it's horrible too. Oh, you know. And you can look in the mirror and say, yeah, 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 I am dirty. I do need a wash. And you can look in the water and say, no, here's the point I want you to put down. It is the application of the water only that cleanses. That's it. It is the application of the water only that cleanses. So as in face, as in water, face answers to face, so the heart of man to man. So I, I know what you're like on the inside because I know what I'm like on the inside. 
See, we're all made of the same stuff, our hearts, and so I know what you are on the inside. You know what I am on the inside because as water, as, as in water, face answers to face, there's a reflection there, so the heart of man to man. And so James is saying, don't just look into the mirror of the word and forget it. And that's why I like you to testify, you know, from our sessions here, say, wow, you remember that. That was great. You had a good week over that. Uh, just, just because it does something to you there. Okay, all right, so the mirror of the word and the water of the word. All right, now. So you got that point there. It's the application of the water of the word only that cleanses. All right, now, number one, two, three, three words I want you to pick up here, and I'd like you to turn with the scriptures to me on this, just uh, watching our time. Turn over to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. And number one, the first word I'll give you in a moment, but you'll pick it up as we read the scripture. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. And I do like to encourage you, bring the Bible along. This is advanced teaching. All right, so verse 5, and he says, um, uh, When the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, through the, everybody say this next part, the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The word washing there, I've got it on your notes there, is the Greek word for labor. So how can I understand that? Because if I was reading that in Greek, it say, the labor of regeneration, the washing. Well, what's the labor? That's what we're looking at tonight. So the labor of regeneration. So word number one is what? Regeneration. So in regeneration, when you're born again, and please take this uh, sacredly, in natural birth, when a, when, a, when a mother gives birth to a child, what happens is two major elements, blood and water. In natural birth. It's so in spiritual birth. The blood of Jesus cleansing us from sin and the washing of water by the word. In this case, sorry, washing of regeneration. The labor of regeneration. So it has to do with rebirth. Everybody said amen. So number one, water of regeneration. Now, let's go over to this awesome scripture. I'm sorry to get excited about this, but is that all right? Okay, I turn to Ephesians chapter 5, but these are, you know, as I told you last week, this is a master key. As I read the word, I'm reading it through what we looked at last week. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26. Just the whole passage, but we'll just take verse 26 because time. Uh, Ephesians 5, 26. And listen to what he says, the Lord is, uh, is the, about the church. He says that he might sanctify and cleanse it, verse 26. Uh, he loves the church, so he says that he might sanctify the church, cleanse it, how? With the washing of water by the word. And you know it's the same Greek word, the labor. Oh, now I'm starting to understand the labor. So the priests, as we'll come to in a moment, they had that initial bath, but day by day, they had to wash their hands and their feet as they came into the presence of the Lord to serve him, the laver. And so the next word I want you to put down here, not only is the water used in regeneration, it's used in sanctification. That he might sanctify and cleanse it. How is he going to cleanse it? With the washing, the laver 
of water by the word. And, you know, not because it's me, but, you know, who anybody really ministers the word. How many feel, I'm just getting, I'm just being cleansed. I'm having a good bath in the word tonight. Amen? Yeah, that's it. Just washing of water by the word. Then, just put your fill in on this one here, number three. Uh, those scriptures here, water baptism. So, regeneration, sanctification, and baptism. So, Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, uh, baptizing them, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, they baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn over to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3. It's on your notes there. And I just want you to link up uh, another thought that John, uh, Peter, pardon me, uh, gives us on baptism. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. It's on your notes there, verse 20 and 21. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll read it, I just want verse 21 particularly, but talking about the days of Noah, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. You notice that? So in the days of Noah, it was a world baptismal service. God buried the ungodly dead. And only those were saved by water, Noah in, and his family in the ark, as we're talking about. Now, the like figure, I'll read from Old and New, the like figure whereunto even baptism does also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then New King James, uh, there is also an antitype, which now save as baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, like taking a bath, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. So I'd like you to put under number three, baptism with a good conscience. If you don't, if, if people go down and have baptism without a good conscience, all they do is they go down a dry sinner and come up a wet one. <laughs> right? You see, it's baptism with a good conscience. And then uh, number four, just fill in here. Uh, we haven't got time to look at the scripture. I've got to do this last part here. In those scriptures, Ezekiel 36 and Psalm 51 and, and those other scriptures I've given you, there's, uh, there's scriptures about washing. I'll wash them with clean water and give them a new heart and a new spirit. And David prays, purge me with his and wash me and make me clean. Where will shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed to uh, the word. And, and Paul says, referring to some of them who are homosexuals and lesbians and fornicators and adulterers, he said, such were some of you, but you are washed. So just that washing, washing. The cleansing by the blood of Jesus, washing by the water of the word. All right, now, let's go to our last section here. And I'm sorry I've got to rush this, but I want you to get the beautiful picture here. Turn over to John chapter 13. And uh, just leave your Bible open on this one. And uh, John's Gospel, chapter 13. John chapter 13. So uh, let me sort of paraphrase it. In John chapter 13, oh, well, where do I go on this? Um, just, just put down the seed thought. I haven't got time to milk it. But, but one of the master keys in John's Gospel is the use of water. 
Now, naturally speaking, in our world, water has thousands and thousands of uses. But in John's Gospel, let me just give you an idea and uh, buy the CD. This one will be priceless. In John chapter 1, water in relation to baptism. John chapter 2, Jesus turned water into wine. John chapter 3, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, water in relation to the new birth. John chapter 4, if you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But if you drink of the water I'll give you, it'll be a well of eternal life. Water and the well of eternal life. John chapter 5, they're waiting for the moving of the water and first into the water was healed. Water of healing. John chapter 6, walking on the water. Jesus came walking the water. You see, every chapter basically deals with a different aspect of water. John chapter 8 and uh, John chapter 7, the water at the Feast of Tabernacles when they would pour the waters out at the altar after the sacrifice, blood and water. John chapter 8 and 9, the man who was uh, born blind, Jesus sent him after putting uh, spit in his eye and whatever, uh, sent him to the pool of Siloam and he washed and came seeing. Every chapter on the cross, blood and water. I mean, it's just, this is a master key. This is, this is the master of it. John chapter 13, I'll storyteller. Jesus is about to be crucified and uh, he's just had supper with the disciples. And so now we sort of have almost uh, nine symbolic acts from Jesus in this chapter. He rises from supper. Why don't you think of that now? Here they are gathered around the table. They've been arguing beforehand who would be the greatest. And now they're all too big. To take the towel has been used a lot. Peter would take the sword, not the towel, and to wash anybody's feet. And he rises from supper, like leaving the throne. He laid aside his garments, his garments of glory and beauty that he'd had with the Father. He took a towel, the incarnation. He girded himself with a towel, taking a servant's place. And he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Not only did he wash them, he wiped them with the towel. Then after washing his feet, he took his garments again, the glory which he had with the Father before the world began, and then sat down. Sit on my right hand. I mean, we could spend an hour just on those nine things. Now, can you imagine the scene? And it's, it's a very moving scene. Jesus sitting around the table, and as he's going around washing the disciples' feet, Matthew's feet, he's fulfilling the labor here because the word washing is used in two different Greek words here. This is a labor chapter. And he washes Thaddeus and washes Nathaniel's feet, washes the different disciples. Two main disciples. What, what do you think Jesus was thinking when he came to Judah's feet? You've got the scripture there. Where had Judah's feet been? Scripture says, feet swift to shed blood. And he'd been off to the priest to sell Jesus out for money he never lived to spend. And as Jesus is washing his feet, what's he thinking? How, how, how many have ever been to a foot washing service? 
I've been to two or three, and it moves me to tears. One service I was at where this little boy, about eight years of age, I'm the big visiting speaker, and this little boy kneels before me, and I take off my shoes and, and socks and let him wash my feet. Then I, the big visiting preacher, have to turn around and do that. And I couldn't do it this way. I had to humble myself and kneel down. And as, as I was washing the little boy's feet, I just began to cry because I saw the feet of Jesus. I'm not saying we should do that. That's a whole subject. But it wouldn't hurt us. Go to somebody you don't get on well with. And what do you think happens when he comes to Peter? And Peter says, you're going to wash my feet? Just, you know, resisting. Should have known Jesus better. And then Jesus said, listen, if you don't let me wash your feet, you will have no part with me. If you want to be a part of the body and part of my purpose and what I'm here for in the kingdom, you're going to have to wash your feet. So when Jesus was washing Peter's feet, and he knew them all. He knew Peter was going to go, turn around and cuss him out. I don't know the man. He knew Judas was going to sell him, run to the priest and sell him out and get him arrested in the guard. He knew. He knew that the rest of them would forsake him. But how do you think Jesus washed their feet? You know, I've got the outline there for you. The servant's role. The humility of Christ. The water in the basin. In the, basin the foot washing. And I don't think Jesus had any of this attitude. Oh, your feet stink. Look at all that stuff between your toes. Now, I didn't say what you're thinking. I'm trying to be very respectful here. Wow. When did you take a bath last? You got B.O. from head to toe. There's none, none of that. Because beyond the literal washing of the feet, there was something else. Now, we'll have to, have to finish on this. There are, there are, on your notes here, Peter's reaction. On your notes there, there were two uh, Greek words, and I'll put them there for you. I'm not a Greek expert, but just know enough on this. The first one, Jesus said to Peter, what I do, you do not know. Now, he knew what Jesus was doing externally. Yeah, well, you're washing my feet. Anybody can see that. No, you know outside, but what he's saying, you understand it intellectually, but you don't really get the message. And in, in the next Greek word, he said, what I do, you do not know. Well, I know what you do. No, you, you know it intellectually. But the next Greek word beyond oida is uh, gnosko. You will come to know experientially. So you know it externally, but you don't really understand what I'm doing here. That's what he's talking about. Then, on the next one, we'll have to sort of wrap up on this. There were two Greek words for washing. The washings in verse 10. And, and so Peter goes to the other extreme. Oh, Lord, wash me all over. You know, head, hands, feet, do the whole. Just, you know, do more than the priests. Only wash their hands and feet. Wash my head. I need my head cleaned out. I'm not thinking straight. Just wash me. And, and Jesus says, I'll, I'll say it here in English. He says, he that has had the initial bath, luo, doesn't need that. You only need nipto, which is just to wash your feet. Wash the part. That's what he's saying. And he uses the two Greek words and it has to do with the labor. 
All right, we're going to have to quit there. Let me go to conclusion. So much more to say on that. The daily washing. We are clean through the word, Jesus said. Now you're clean through the word, uh, which I've spoken unto you. And he says, when he took his uh, place and sat down again, he said, do you see what I've done as your Lord and master? He said, you ought also to wash one another's feet as I've done to you. Have you ever gone to a brother and sister and say, I'd just like to wash your feet? Oh, you've got dirty feet, you stink. No, 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 you, you really need to kneel down and take the place of humility and say, there's just some areas in your life, my life, I just feel I need you to wash me. Wow, that's the layer. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Visit kevinconnor.org for more information. God bless.